You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest internet with faster speeds rolling out every day and internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. So while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. The first degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. You see it on the news. You see it on the paper. You see it on Facebook. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. That their clothes were just drenched in blood because they'd been playing all around her body. It was like very, very sad. Um, And that he had actually gone to Walmart, I think, to get them clothes because their their clothes that they, you know, were wearing had blood all over them and they couldn't go back in their house because it was a crime scene. Welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I am sitting extremely far away from Alexis Linkletter and even farther away from Billy Jensen. We are social distance podcasting today. We hope our sound sounds okay. Please forgive us if it doesn't. But uh, Billy, what day is it today? You know what? It's International Manatee Appreciation Day. And I think oh we gosh, can all get behind that. Manatees are my favorite animal. Manatees are so cute. Jack, so Jack tagged me on a thing on Instagram. Put all your favorite things. Did you see? I put a manatee as my favorite animal. Ah, uh, you know what? That's a good one. Those manatees are, my favorite. are beluga whales. I think I like more, but well, they're fat both little fat little sea mammal. They're little. They're little big fat slugs. I yeah, they are. Them. They're perfect. It's also other- International Waffle Day too. So. I am prepping for a massive brunch this weekend, of course, at my parents' house with just my parents and my boyfriend, but a waffle is going to be included. I need my brunch essentials. I need a mimosa because I need to try to feel normal. Right. Hell yeah. Do it. You know, the little things. Um, The little things. Well, I hope everybody is staying safe out there, uh, quarantining themselves if they can and washing their hands and not touching their faces. So that's enough of that. So let's turn down the lights and turn up your anxiety. Because this could be you. On every episode of The First Degree, we strive to provide some sort of takeaway, something useful, something thematic that'll resonate with you somehow, some way, somewhere. We want to compel you to think differently about humanity, cruelty, compassion, crime, or the human condition. And what you'll learn today is that one of the great equalizers of human beings is that we all want to talk. We all want to talk. We all want to share. We have a hard time keeping secrets. And you know what? will especially tell a secret if it's to cover our own asses. And this is going to sound weird, but I'm going to look towards the words of Benjamin Franklin to help set the stage for today's episode. But mind you, these are not words of encouragement. They are eternal, echoing words of warning. Quote, a small leak can sink a great ship. The second, three may keep a secret if two of them are dead. So 
Sarasota sits south of Tampa on Florida's Gulf Coast. It's most well known, at least in my mind, as the winter home of the Ringling Brothers Circus. Today, it has the Ringling Brothers Museum of Art. But people go down to Sarasota mostly for the miles of beaches of fine sand. So today's case takes us back to November 7th of 1997. Elton John's Candle in the Wind was topping the charts, and Princess Di actually had just passed away a week earlier. And the horror flick, I Know What You Did Last Summer, great movie, was in theaters. And it was on that November 7th morning in Sarasota that 35-year-old Sheila Bellish was helping daughters Daryl and Stevie get out the door for school. You see, there was never a dull moment at the Bellish home, because Sheila and her husband Jamie were parents to six children, daughters Stevie and Daryl from Sheila's first marriage, and they also had 23-month-old quadruplets. Yes, quadruplets. So the Bellishes were a family that were well-known in the community, especially in their church community. And they were religious church-going people. And everyone at their church knew who they were because every Sunday they would walk into the church with their four blonde babies in tow, as well as Stevie and Daryl, Sheila's two older girl children. And it was at this church where our first degree, Emily, was introduced to the Bellish family. Sarasota Baptist Church, we all all went, I mean, it was one of those Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, probably another night during the week. We were, all of us were very involved uh, at church. The Bellas were very uh, noticeable, I guess, in our church because they had those four little babies. Sheila seemed like a really nice mom. She was, Sheila was a very, very beautiful. She had blonde hair. She always definitely looked, you know, she looked put together and just really sweet. She really did always come off as being really sweet. Sheila always seemed like a really nice woman. Jamie, the uh, quad dad, he seemed like a really nice man. Sheila's oldest daughter, um, Stevie, we were in youth group together. Stevie was very um, friendly and personable and popular, and everybody liked her. Um, um, You know, they, they seemed like just a super nice family. So like we said earlier, November 7th was a normal day. Sheila's oldest daughters went off to school. Her husband, Jamie, went off to work at his job as a pharmaceutical salesman. And Sheila stayed home to tend and wrangle her four 23-month-old babies. At the end of the day, Sheila's 13-year-old daughter, Stevie, was headed home. And she was excited to gush to her mom about a boy from school that she had a crush on. I can remember myself in those days. And Stevie had actually called home to see if her mom could pick her up, but there was no answer. But that wasn't really a big deal. She just decided to take the bus. And while having to take the bus wasn't a big deal, what was unusual is that when Stevie approached her home, her front door was unlocked. That was something she was not used to seeing. She walked into the house and called for her mom, but there was no answer. But what she could hear was her baby brothers and sisters crying. So slowly, she walked through the house looking for signs of her mom anywhere. She moved into the kitchen and then into the laundry room, which is where she made a terrifying discovery. Your mom, what? Okay, what makes you think that? Like all around places in the cut on her neck. Okay, Stevie, we have help on the way. When responders arrived at the Billish home, they found Sheila lying on the ground. She had a bullet wound on her face and a massive knife wound to her throat. And the kitchen was in total disarray. Based on the blood smear patterns in the room, they could tell a violent struggle had ensued. They theorized that Sheila was attacked in the laundry room. And of course, there were four people at the crime scene when police got there. Sheila and Jamie's four 23-month-old babies, and they were covered in their mother's blood. Thankfully, none of them had been hurt, but they had been alone with their murdered mother for more than six hours. And this is huge news for a place like Sarasota, 
especially because Jamie and Sheila became these local celebrities after the birth of their quadruplets. News about this horrific murder spread quickly through the news, through the community, and ultimately to Sheila's church community. And for context, this was a very tight-knit church community. In fact, Emily, our first degree, had been staying with another family while her mom was doing a job in another state. So she had been staying with another church family, the same church that she belonged to with Sheila and her family. So they were all like one big family. So it started off as just a normal day. We went to school, came home, and then at a certain point after we, you know, in the afternoon after we got home from school, um, either the mom or the dad of the family that I was staying at said that Sheila Bellish had been murdered. The, the dad of the family was a, I believe he a deacon, he was either a deacon or an elder at the church, and that he had to go to their house. You know, the pastor of our church had called him to go to their house to, you know, be there for the, for the family and do whatever they needed to, uh, to do to help out. So he went and he was gone for several hours, I remember. And then, um, I mean, it was obviously very shocking for all of us. No one knew what was going on, really. Um, and then when he came home, he just told us, you know, that Stevie had come home from school and found her mom dead and that she'd been murdered and uh, that the quads had been with her and that they'd actually been like playing with her and you know obviously must have seen everything and that their clothes were just drenched in blood because they'd been playing all around her body it was like very very sad um and that he had actually gone to walmart i think to get them clothes because their their clothes that they you know were wearing had blood all over them and they couldn't go back in their house because it was a crime scene um that's a bit, that's like the thing that sticks out for me the most was was that part of it it was, it was just really super sad and, and very shocking who would do something terrible like this to a woman like sheila where would they start? Well, as with every investigation, they started close and worked their way outward. They had to speak to Sheila's husband, Jamie, as well as Sheila's friends and family first. Meanwhile, the police were going through the crime scene meticulously in the hopes that Sheila's killer or killers had left evidence behind. And luckily, they had. A number of clues were uncovered the first in the form of a bloody fingerprint on the laundry room dryer. They also found a knife that the killer had left behind during the scuffle. And it was actually a knife that had been taken from the Bellish home. So we know at least the knife was not the intended weapon. Then there was also a bullet shell casing from a 45 caliber automatic pistol, a casing that matched the bullet wound in Sheila's face. And of course, her husband, Jamie, would have to be looked at for the murder of his wife because it's always the husband, right? So by Jamie's account, Jamie and Sheila were blissfully happy. Their quadruplets had been conceived using IVF technology, and the couple were just so overjoyed to add to their family. Members of Sheila's family also corroborated what Jamie was saying. The couple was happy, and they exhibited no real red flags within their relationship. Jamie had also been working during the time of Sheila's murder, and... He had an airtight alibi. The police then shifted focus to Sheila's teenage daughters, Stevie and Daryl. And what Stevie had to say would shock them. Believe it or not, Stevie immediately believed that her father, Alan Blackthorne, was responsible for this. I knew that Stevie and Daryl's dad, you know, that their parents had been divorced and that he had lived in Texas. I think that they maybe actually moved to Florida because Jamie, their new stepdad, had gotten a job here. Um, but I knew that it wasn't a great situation back in Texas. I didn't know any specifics, but I knew that it wasn't, you know, they they were not friendly or close with their dad. You know, the Stevie and Daryl didn't want to live with him. Um, you know, he I believe he had had a lot of, you know, they'd had a bad history. Alan Blackthorne was a San Antonio businessman who had made a fortune selling medical equipment. 
And since his divorce from Sheila in 1988, the retired 42-year-old spent most of his time playing golf. He was remarried to a woman named Maureen, and they had had two children after he had divorced from Sheila in 1988. Now, it's no secret that Sheila and Alan had a very messy divorce, and they had a very tumultuous relationship afterwards, but it's not terribly uncommon for couples to experience things like that when marriages fall apart. But by all accounts, Sheila and Alan seemed to move on. I mean, Alan married Maureen, and Sheila met Jamie, and they had their quads. So life carried on post-divorce. And the couple seemed to move on further when Jamie Bellish accepted a job promotion in Sarasota, Florida, which would be 1,200 miles away from San Antonio. And police learned that Alan lived in Texas, which is where the Bellishes lived prior to moving to Sarasota. And the Bellishes had chosen to move to Florida after Sheila won parental rights of the girls in a brutal custody battle. Alan remained in San Antonio. And the police wanted to speak to him right away. Florida law enforcement enlists the help of the San Antonio law enforcement who go ahead and meet with and speak with Alan Blackthorne. And they're confronted by a man who seems to be in shock over the murder of his ex-wife. He had learned about what happened to Sheila after hearing it on the evening news. They also learn that Alan was a millionaire, a retired businessman, and was remarried to a woman named Maureen. And since Alan's retirement, he spent most of his time playing golf. In fact, he told them that's what he had been doing at the time and all day on the day that Sheila had been murdered. He was on the golf course. Okay, so we have a divorce, a bitter custody battle, and a guy that loves golf. The dad has all the fixings to be a perfect perpetrator. But he had an airtight alibi, and he was in another state. So they'd have to shelve Sheila's ex as a suspect, at least for now. On the heels of Sheila's murder, the community was in peril. Not only had this wonderful woman and mother of six been murdered in cold blood, but even worse, her killer was still out there. Anyone could be at risk. Anyone could be in danger. And... Aside from all of that, Sheila, her children, and the rest of her family needed justice. Someone had to pay for this. Uh, Jamie, Stevie, Daryl, and the babies are still shocked and mourning the loss of their wife and mother. But they are confident that their place is in that her place is in heaven because of her relationship with Jesus Christ. The family is hopeful about the warrant, but fearful that the suspect is still on the loose. They implore the nation to cooperate with all the authorities in helping to bring this suspect to justice. I took French in high school, and I was so excited that we were going to France for Jack's wedding so I could practice my French. And it was only when I got there I realized just how rusty I'd gotten. And I wanted to communicate in French with the locals there so badly. If you can relate to this experience, then Rosetta Stone is right for you. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You can choose from one of 25 languages like Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, and Polish. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a quick and natural way. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone is so convenient, and it can be used on your desktop computer or as an app, with audio companion and ability to download lessons offline. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the first-degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com first today. So if you're a super busy person and you don't have time to go to the gym, or maybe you just don't even want to go to the gym and work out in front of a bunch of different people, you need to check out the Aloe Moves app. I'm obsessed with this app. So it makes it easy to keep your wellness routine on track because they have everything in one place. There's yoga, there's Pilates, fitness classes, mindfulness, self-care tips, healthy recipes, and so much more. So either you're a beginner or you're an advanced person, Aloe Moves has the flow or class that will fit your schedule. Their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending 
depending on what you're feeling that day. So even if you only have five minutes, you can just get some movement in. I used Aloe Moves all during the pandemic. It was amazing. Like I was on my yoga journey and I was obsessed with it. So you can find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and journaling for those quiet moments, even if you don't really want to get a workout on. And when it comes to sleep, it's just important as fitness and nutrition, and they've got you covered with Aloe Moves. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alamoves.com and use code FIRST for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com, code FIRST, A-L-O-M-O-V-E-S.com, code FIRST. Okay, so listen, we are busy ladies over here on the first degree. And when I have a moment of free time, I don't want to spend it grocery shopping. I want to spend it riding on the couch and watching reality TV. And that is why I love Thrive Market. So Thrive Market is a go-to for all of my grocery and household essentials. And the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to my doorstop is such a huge time saver. So Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They actually restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So you can go on their website and use their filters to suit any of your lifestyle needs. If you're allergic to a certain ingredient, if you just don't want to have it in your life, that's why Thrive Market is so awesome. So whether you're looking for organic snacks for your kids or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. I love this so much because I don't want to read every ingredient when I go to the grocery store. It's so easy to do it online, honestly, when I'm rotting on the couch. So join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash first for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash first. Thrivemarket.com slash first. The news coverage of Sheila's case was picking up, and everyone in Sarasota was on edge of their seats waiting for developments. And one of those watching was a gas station clerk from a nearby Chevron who was starting to piece some things together as she was watching a news segment about Sheila's murder. So he stood in front of me for approximately 10 minutes looking at this map, so I had a good chance to see everything about him. This woman may have looked into the eyes of a killer. She works at the Chevron gas station on Bee Ridge Road in Sarasota. Last Friday, the day Sheila Bellish was murdered, she gave a customer directions to Mark Ridge Road, where the Bellish family lives. When I read this in the paper on Saturday morning, I realized that the time frame was absolutely perfect. So I thought, as a citizen, I should call and say what happened. He was a very handsome, uh, Hispanic-looking man with beautiful hair. I noticed things like that, the kind women would love to have. Very clean-shaved, exceptionally handsome, very penetrating eyes. The Chevron employee says the man showed no signs of being nervous. He was calm as you are, very polite. He did not, you know, carry on a conversation with me. He just stood there and stood there, and that, you know, I just thought this is very unusual for a young person. So this first tip from this gas station attendant was great. And police were thrilled when they received another viable lead. It turns out that on the day of Sheila's murder, someone in the Bellish's neighborhood spotted a suspicious man wearing camouflage, print clothing, and combat boots who seemed to be prowling around. He was driving a white Mitsubishi Eclipse. His behavior was so odd that this neighbor who spotted him felt compelled to take down this license plate, which was WBR. Dash 62G. Could this be the person responsible for Sheila's murder? Police didn't know, but now at least they had a license plate they could track down. So, with the assistance from the Texas Rangers, law enforcement traced the license plate back to a man named Jose Joey Del Toro. He was a 21 year old San Antonio resident. A background check on him revealed only a benign criminal history, just one single arrest for shoplifting. The police run his name by Jamie Bellish, and he's completely stumped. He has no idea who this guy could be. Texas law enforcement tracks down an address for Joey's girlfriend, who is in Austin, Texas, and there they discover a white Mitsubishi Eclipse with the license plate that they were looking for. This was undoubtedly the car that was spotted in Sheila and Jamie's neighborhood. Yeah, so police enter Joey's car. And once they get in there, they see what's inside, and a number of their questions will be answered. 
Inside, they found the camel clothing that matched the attire that Sheila's neighbor had seen that suspicious man that was wearing in the neighborhood. And they also found handwritten directions in the car. The same directions that the witness for the gas station had given the man. And they also found a 45 caliber handgun. So the car is immediately sent to forensic processing. And they discovered blood matching Sheila's in the vehicle. This was the concrete evidence they were looking for. But now they had to find Joey Del Toro. So the police obtained a photo of Joey and blasted it to the media as a massive manhunt went underway. And the primary search areas included Florida, Texas, and northern Mexico. As law enforcement officials working the case were questioning Del Toro's friends, family members, in an attempt to track him down. While police worked to hunt down Del Toro, they were simultaneously working to find a connection between Joey Del Toro and the Bellish family. Because remember, Jamie Bellish had no idea who this man was or how he could be connected to his wife. The Sarasota County Sheriff's Office hinted a person other than the killer may know something about this crime. I think you have to read between the lines there. Why would this individual that has no ties or links in Sarasota, why would he have driven from uh, Texas to Sarasota, committed this crime that we know he did, and then drove back to uh, Texas? Uh, the, again, there has to be some other information out there. Somebody has. And, of course, that's the information we want. Lieutenant, reading between the lines, what we read is somebody paid him to do this. Can't say that. You can say that. I can't say that. So the prevailing theory after the identification of Joey was probably that he was hired by someone. Because after all, why would a 21-year-old from San Antonio drive all the way to Sarasota, Florida to murder a 35-year-old housewife who he had no idea who she was? It had to be for money. And while Sheila's ex-husband, Alan Blackburn, had an airtight alibi, he was in another state when the murder occurred, Sheila's loved ones were convinced that he was behind this. So despite their best efforts, the police were unable to identify any clear connection between Joey Del Toro and Sheila's ex, Alan Blackburn. But they did catch a break while questioning one of Joey Del Toro's cousins. He was a 27-year-old named Sammy Gonzalez. And he was employed as a golf caddy. He told the police the day after Sheila's murder, he drove his cousin to a bus station near the Mexican border town of Laredo, Texas. Shit. Mexico. Joey Del Toro was on the run and likely already in Mexico, which would make it all the more difficult to track him down. As the authorities continue to trace the movements of Jose Luis Del Toro Jr., they're now convinced he's in the Mexican border town of Negra Piedras. But he didn't go straight there. Police say after he killed 35-year-old Sheila Bellish, he drove from Sarasota to Austin, where he left his car and evidence of the crime. Yes, Mr. Del Toro's vehicle was found here in Austin, the DPS crime lab uh, went through the vehicle, processed it for evidence. The evidence is now here at the DPS headquarters. A more complete picture of Del Toro is beginning to emerge. He last lived in this apartment complex with friends. Neighbors are nervous talking about it. He hasn't lived here in over a year. If he ever lived here at all, we have no record of it. He once worked here at this San Antonio pharmacy. People who knew him can't believe the stories they're hearing about him. I'm very shocked. You know, I... We didn't, you know, suspect anything, of course, even remotely like this ever happening with any of our employees. You know, that was it was very shocking. Meantime, in Sarasota, attention is still on Sheila Bellish's family, her 23-month-old quads and two teenage daughters and husband. They've been in care of their church members. Well, you know, the little ones, they cry for their mama. They'll just cry out the words, mama, mama. And, and when I've been with them, you know, I'll be holding the little one, and they'll look at me and just kind of try to communicate, you know, something about their mom. You can, it's, uh, who knows what they're saying. But it was obvious that they miss their mom. In that church community that Sheila was so enmeshed in did rally around the Bellishes. Jamie Bellish is now a single dad of four quadruplets four quadruplet 23-month-olds, and there's also Sheila's two teenage daughters to consider. I remember Jamie was was there at church. Um, I remember just, you know, it being very kind of somber and, you know, just very sad for these all these kids that had lost their mom, who was, you know, seemed to be a really great mom, really nice woman. Um, 
you know, I just, I remember just a lot of sadness for them and a lot of the church wanting to help them, you know, the community kind of trying to rally around them and do whatever anyone could do to, you know, to help out. And while countless people were mourning Sheila Bellish, the authorities had countless individuals trying to hunt down the man they believed to be her killer. Luckily, once U.S. authorities knew Joey Del Toro was in Mexico, it only took two weeks to track him down. But while locating him in Monterey, Mexico, happened quickly, getting him back to the United States would be another matter entirely. So in the late 90s, the United States already had an extradition treaty with Mexico, where Mexico was generally cooperative when it came to extraditing fugitives hiding in Mexico. However, the Mexican government could and would refuse to extradite persons for crimes punishable by the death penalty because they didn't believe in the death penalty. So when it comes to Sheila's murder, it occurred in Florida. In Florida, as we know, if you're a true crime fan, they're very pro-death penalty in the state of Florida, especially in the 1990s, as it kind of still is today. So when Mexico expressed apprehensiveness to send Joey Del Toro back to the United States to face the death penalty, the prosecution agreed to waive that and take that off the table. But even after they agreed to do so, Mexico still stalled with the extradition proceedings for whatever reason. And these proceedings dragged on for more than a year and all at the emotional expense of Sheila's family. The protest here didn't last long, but it lasted long enough to send a message, a very strong message to the Mexican embassy. Just one man with one message. Send the person accused of killing his wife back to the U.S., back to Florida to face justice. Sheila Bellish was murdered seven months ago in her Sarasota home. Bellish, a mother of six, mother of quadruplets. Jamie Bellish says Mexico is dragging on the process of extradition, dragging on his pain. And he says the country should send Jose Del Toro Jr. to the U.S. immediately. This man, obvious, as, as plain as the nose on my face, shot my wife in the face, cut her throat in front of my babies and fled to Mexico. And he needs to be extradited immediately. And he says until the person he believes murdered his wife is brought to justice in Florida, he is urging folks across the United States to boycott Mexican products. So while this fight to get Joey Del Toro back to the U.S. from Mexico was happening, the investigation in the U.S. had barreled forward. There had been huge developments. The police had continued to meet with Joey Del Toro's cousin, Sammy Gonzalez. And slowly but surely, he starts to reveal the truth about what he knew. And as it turns out, he himself was involved in the plot. That's right. And we have a portion of his interrogation to play you. Tell me what you know about this incident. Supposed to be just a beating and nothing about the killing was supposed to be occurred. And it's all the news and that about this Who committed this murder? Was that total? When he was supposed to go down there and speed her up. Said that he had shot her, but eventually, I guess she was still moving or something like that. And even up to the case, and then got a knife. Yeah, I got a knife. So we understand the audio in that is not the best. So let me just summarize what he just said. Sammy Gonzalez said that his cousin, Joey Del Toro, was meant to go beat up Sheila. He ended up not doing that. He ended up killing Sheila after shooting her in the face, grabbing a knife from the kitchen. So Sammy Gonzalez, cousin to Joey Del Toro, clearly had information following this assault because obviously he drove his cousin to Laredo, Texas to skip the border. So Sammy Gonzalez knew everything that happened as far as the murder itself, but luckily for the police, he also knew what happened before, and he knew what set this entire conspiracy in motion. Sammy said that he had been approached by an acquaintance and small-time San Antonio gambler named Danny Rocha. Danny asked Sammy if he or anyone he knew would be willing to take a job that required them to beat someone up in exchange for cash. Sammy agreed to do it until he was given a picture of the subject. It was a woman. It was Sheila Bellish. At that point, Sammy refused to move forward with it, but he told Danny that he would ask around. And that's where Joey Del Toro came into the mix. And apparently, Danny told Joey that he would get 4000 for simply roughing up Sheila 
but he'd get 10000 for killing her. Finally, the police were piecing together additional pieces of this puzzle. Danny Rocha was the missing thread. Who was this guy? And how is he connected to Sheila? Why would he want her dead? Throughout the entire duration of this investigation, the police remained in constant contact with Jamie Bellish and Sheila's daughters, Stevie and Daryl. So once they learned of Danny Rocha's name, they wanted to speak with Sheila's family. And the name didn't ring a bell for Sheila's husband, Jamie, but it did ring a bell for her daughter, Stevie. She told police that she not only recognized the name, she actually knew Danny Rocha. And she used to have play dates with his children at the home of her father. Her father. That's right. Alan Blackthorne. So this was it, right? Finally, the connection between Sheila's murderer and her ex-husband, Alan Blackburn, that the police had been desperately searching for in a murder-for-hire game of telephone. They theorized that Alan Blackthorne had recruited his golf buddy, Danny Rocha, who had recruited golf caddy, Sammy Gonzalez, who had recruited his cousin, Joey Del Toro. And Joey Del Toro killed Sheila. They had discovered the connection between Sheila's ex, Alan, and the man who pulled the trigger. Case closed, right? Well, unfortunately, it wouldn't be that easy. And if you think what you've heard so far is bizarre, just hold on tight for part two of this two-part episode. All right. Well, a huge thank you to our first degree, Emily, for taking us through part one of this crazy story. She'll be with us next week to take us through the conclusion of this two part series. But until then, if you have a story that you would like to tell us, please email us at hello at the first degree podcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at the first degree at Alexis Linkletter at Billy Jensen at Jack Vanek. Join our Facebook group. Just search the first degree up in your Facebook search bar and we will be right there. We're talking all things true crime to get your mind off of all the crazy shit that's going on in this world right now and go grab some merch and stick around because we're going to kill some time and let you know what we've been doing to distract ourselves. And remember only you can prevent coronavirus and keep your friends close. But not not that close. close. Especially now. Now. Sources for today's episode include the Herald Tribune, ABC News, the New York Times, the Orlando Centennial, CBS News, the Dallas Observer, People Magazine, and 48 Hours. Court documents, and as always, our first degree guest is always our largest source. Everybody loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. So it's going to take you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. I'm really feeling this because Lex and I both are really like into Gatsby stuff right now. So I am loving the vibe of this game. And you're going to step into the role as June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. It's perfect for all of the firsties out there. There's mystery, danger, and romance as you search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris. And you can customize your very own luxuries estate island. Think expansive gardens and beautiful buildings and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. No prepping, no cooking, or cleanup needed. There's over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. 
Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Get started today and get after your goals. Plus, Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. For me, I was really struggling to get enough protein. I always do. But Factor's meals are protein-packed, and they're so good. And it's so easy when I'm slammed busy working in the middle of the day to just have lunch right there, not needing to do anything, except heat it up. Head to factormeals.com slash firstdegree50 and use code DEGREE50 to get 50% off. That's code DEGREE50 at factormeals.com slash firstdegree50 to get 50% off. All right. Well, welcome to a very special social distancing uh, episode of Killing Time. We are, Alexis and I are an hour and a half apart. We are like six hours away from Billy right now. So hopefully yes. we can be okay. And I, I'm I'm probably like 30 minutes away from Jared. I know. You guys, you know. Should, go, you guys should go hang out 10 feet apart. Believe me, I thought about hanging out with him maybe six feet apart. We can go hiking. Mm, I don't think any of the hiking trails are open anymore. They you're are. Just, I, hiked up a, I hiked up a mountain like yesterday. So, <gasps> well, damn. So, I think. Well, number mountain? one, it's called a mountain. Yeah, it's the it's the mountain. It's really a hill outside of uh, <laughs> Arizona State. Yeah, so okay. it's a hill. Um, well, I have to say, I'm very proud of us because we uh, got all of our social distancing podcast equipment in very fast before the whole. Amazon shut down so we could actually get this episode done. I didn't know what we were going to do. No, we got really lucky in that it was right before Amazon was like three weeks is prime delivery. <laughs> Amazon. I know now it's like over a, it's over a month. But today we did uh, do a little happy hour with all of our firsties on Zoom and it was very cute and very fun. And people got to share their first degree stories. We had so many, well, a number of people that had uh found a dead body before so that was interesting um and then billy got to ask everybody their um the dis- their, discra- their distraction i was doing a little bit of a crossover between uh, uh first degree and murder squad talking about what was distracting you this week and uh we heard some good things but we also heard we also asked we, we did uh never have i ever and we asked never been arrested and we had some firsties that have actually been arrested no, naughty firsties. Naughty, naughty firsties. I love it. I don't remember. I don't remember. Like looking in a mirror. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I see you in me. I don't remember which girl it was that got arrested for a DUI the day after she went out, and then it went to bed. I was dressed as a bumblebee. I woke up DUI. I was like, dude, that's there not you even your fault. If you went, if you thought you slept it off. I know, know. dude, that's where it gets tricky. I don't know. You have to wait like two days. Um, Well, what have you guys been doing to uh, distract yourselves during the pandemic? All right, I'm going to go first. So I've been self-quarantining, I think, the longest. Or maybe me and Billy are the same. No, I've been quarantining for longer than you. Uh, I mean, the least. The least, I'm I'm sorry. I've been (laughs) self-quarantining the least. (laughs) Yes. So I'm only on like day four because I've been, you know, anyways... But no, it's been very interesting. Like I was like, I'm going to work out. I'm going to learn French. I'm going to do this. And it's like, nope, wake up, watch the news, lie around, make a breakfast hot pocket. Then I do some work for a few hours. I make a lunch hot pocket. Then for dinner, I'm like, you've eaten shitty today. I have a lean pocket. And the entire day I'm drinking. (laughs) (laughs) I love the fact that you went, I've been eating shitty today with the hot pockets. I'm going to eat a lean pocket. I'm going to go with a lean pocket. That's so fucking amazing. That's Uh, right. Why did did you discover hot pockets? Like, what is the new love? They are so fucking good. Delicious. And if you cook them in the oven, I only had experience with them in the microwave. The oven's a whole nother game. It's like an inside out pizza. And I'm just like, how a broccoli cheddar? I'm like, it's cheddar cheese soup and like a in a bread bowl. I'm like, this is just everything I've wanted out of my food groups. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, I mean, I'm just discovering frozen foods again, like I'm a child. I honestly, hot pockets are very underrated for how delicious they are. I used to eat them every day when I was on Warp Tour, 
And the broccoli cheddar, it's like there is nothing better. No. It's besides so- the mozzarella meatball. And then there's also <laughs> the garlic parmesan chicken. And then you're like, well, they make breakfast one. They make a ham and cheese and you crack an egg on it. And then suddenly you're in the dark place where I've been. Where I'm like, I should probably go outside today. And I'm like, mm, I have more Hot Pockets left. I don't have to. <laughs> I definitely don't need to go to the store to buy more Hot Pockets. So I think I'm okay. No, but it's one of those oh. things where I bought them because there was like nothing else. And I think 7-Eleven had some frozen food and everywhere else was out. And I'm like, I should take what I can get in case I never see a frozen item again. Yeah, so I that's po- true. Like boxes of Hot Pockets. No, no. And it changed my Liter- life. Literally, I was at the Rite Aid. Uh, at Gower Gulch, and this is what they had as far as frozen foods. They had a like a pizza that had been opened, and like the pizza was like slid halfway out, which Ew. was too sketchy for me. And then they had <laughs> yeah, fri- no shit. <laughs> then they had Friday's mozzarella sticks, just one, with just one, just like the two things in there and one. And I was just like, that's really sketch, but I'm gonna get the mozzarella sticks, and I did. You know what? Beggars can't be choosers. However, I did go to Trader Joe's this morning. I've been terrified to go to the grocery store. Like, I have never been more paranoid about anything in my entire yeah. life. Jack doesn't like people touching her anyway. In general. As it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, and she and, doesn't like to be around people. No, no and my, my mom, my parents are big germaphobes. So now I've, like, adapted all of their uh, tendencies. So anyways, I was freaked out. But I went to Trader Joe's because we're running low on groceries. And fully stocked shelves. No oh, line. Yeah. I was shocked. I got everything. I got five packs of gyoza. I got a full thing for a cheese plate. I'm going to be I'm living offended. for one day. I know. Maybe I'll I was go to shocked. Trader Joe's today. Maybe they restocked. They do restock they re- in the they morning. They restock every morning. Every yeah. morning they're restocking. This is not like a like a. It's not an issue at least yet. It's not going to be an issue as far as like the food restocking for probably at least a month in terms of like stuff. You might not be able to get your favorite brands, but you're going to be able to get whatever you want. It might not be able to be your favorite brands, but um, yeah, you can just fucking go and get your shit. I can't wait for my cheese plate, but I'm trying to ration my stuff. Um, So my my distraction for uh, the pandemic thus far is uh, Love Island, Australia, season two. At season two? Uh, Oh my gosh, I think it's my favorite. Yeah, I think it's my favorite season of Love Island ever. And apparently they canceled it after season two, so nobody watched it. But they're my favorite cast of people, except for one of the guys reminded me of my ex-boyfriend. So that was a turnoff. But other than that, everything else was, it's great. Wait, I love all, all the people. Jack, well, can, I, can I ask you, what, what remind, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Alexis. Okay. What reminded him, uh, what reminded you of your ex-boyfriend? Um, The shape of his head. <laughs> <laughs> Some people have a very, very blocked, blocky. Some, some people have a very distinct head shape. That's true. Um, and th- this one looked like a rectangle. So that's it was interesting, that. though. So I watched episode one, and beyond that, I think I was like in my pot, hot pocket, like alcohol coma, mm-hmm. and I don't really remember beyond that. The initial couplings I wasn't thrilled with because no. it was like a bunch of people got stuck with each other they didn't expect to. So I was like, this is going to be interesting because it was very. Uh, no one was seemed thrilled. No, but I can only imagine that it gets better. Nobody seems thrilled, but and like I still where I'm at, nobody really seems thrilled. But I just love it. The drama is like a it's perfect. The people are attractive. I'm rooting for these twins. It's great. So that's my my distraction, Billy. What's been your distraction? My distraction is going through all of the stuff in my house and realizing that my entire life, like my entire like stuff from my childhood until now is in my house right now because my mother when she moved when my dad died and my and my mother like got out of long island she was just like take all this shit and i had it and i put it in my garage and now i'm going through it right now and it's sad slash happy and i'm looking at old tonka trucks and action figures and matchbox cars that's what i'm going through and it reminds me of a my mortality and the you know b the love for life. Oh, that's cute. Do you have any like notes from when you're younger, or like letters? What? Oh no, I was not re- really very much a, a a lettery type kid. I didn't really you're like not a write. writer. No, I was not a writer back then. No, the writing thing was something that I I you know I started off as uh it, 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 for whatever it's worth. I started off with poetry, which is not. 
necessarily something that I'm I'm proud of, but. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Wait, what kind of poem? Did what kind of poems were you doing? Rhyming poems, haikus. I was doing everything. I was, I was doing rhyming poems. I'm a very good rhymer. I was doing rhyming poems. I was doing uh, the first poem I ever was in ninth grade. It was called the backup quarterback, which is a fucking killer poem. And it was, it was published in the, the high school, like literary journal. And then from the backup quarterback, I went to like really being goth in 10th in grade. And then it was like five, like very gothy type things. Okay, so my question is, when is an appropriate time to start drinking while everybody is self-quarantining themselves? Because I find myself trying to drink earlier and earlier in the day, and I don't know what a good time is other than when Alexis and I are on the house party app with all of our friends drinking at like 3 p.m. So that's that's the best time to start. 3 p.m.? Best time to start. Just when we're on the house party app, because then we all peer pressure each other. Right. No, I... I know I wouldn't have started. Uh, I probably would have waited another hour, but we had the happy hour for the first degree at three. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm trying to wait until I think three is a good cutoff. You you work out, you work, and that that's what we have to do. We have to, like, have a regimen. You work out at, you know, you wake up at eight or nine. You Whose work regiment out. is this? It's my fucking work. My regiment. Okay. I, I I bought a men's health magazine and I'm doing the Camille Najani workout and uh, it seems You're to be going a, good for me. A magazine delivered during this time? I, I Who's that's Camille Najani? Is that essential? I believe it is. Yeah, and I'm a big believer in magazines still. Print for the win. All right. So he, Billy's working out. He's eating well. He's working and then he's drinking at three. That sounds like. Yeah. I mean, it's better than me. I don't know. Mine just gets earlier and earlier. Better than me. Hot Pockets and Jameson over here. (laughs) Hot Pockets and Jameson. You don't need anything more. Well, I think we killed enough time. So, oh, you you better do. Time of death, 11 minutes and four seconds. Beep. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.